there's no other name like the name of Jesus. And, you know, maybe you're here tonight for the first time kind of back into a church. And, uh, well, we're not really even a church. We're a school, but we are a church. And so it's, you're, you're safe here. You're welcome to be here. And we're, we're honored that you're here. In fact, we kind of jokingly, and well, not jokingly, in a, in a tangible and, and passionate way, we kind of put out this welcome mat and, and kind of literally say everyone's welcome and each one matters. That each one of us, no matter what trajectory your life has been on or what journey you've been a part of so far, far up to this point, we really believe that there is no other name on the face of this planet that can bring new life and new starts and new hope and fresh beginnings into the lives of people. It's fascinating when you think about the name of Jesus. Have you ever heard people get in an argument about this name? Nobody. Grumbling. Okay. Okay. A few of you. Have you ever heard someone sing praises to this name? Well, yeah. How can both be? How can both be stirred by the same name? There's something about this name. It's, It's more than simply a name, isn't it? We don't get upset about Bob. We don't get upset, you know, we watch a movie about what about Bob, but we don't get upset about him, that this series really is looking in to this name of Jesus. And we're going to walk through the Gospel of Mark uh, for these next few weeks as we make our way toward Easter and to this great celebration about the reality that we gather under no other name. That there's no other name that you'd want to put your life um, into. And there's no other name that you'd want to find fresh starts and new beginnings. And here's my, my invitation to you. If you are kind of new, maybe coming back to church, would you journey with us? Because I think Jesus is the most fascinating man who ever lived and still lives. That's the, that's the kicker in this. Is that it wasn't a once a long time ago thing. It's still existent type of thing. And I think the significance of his life really could bring clarity to your life. And so journey with us as we begin to make our way through the Gospel of Mark. And maybe throughout the week, you're going to want to read along with us in the chapters that we're going to be in. We're going to be in chapter 1 tonight. And so you you got a late start, but you could do it this week and just kind of be a part of taking this journey with us. And in Mark chapter 1, here's how this begins. Mark chapter 1, here's the very first verse. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark The gospel writer wants you to know with great clarity what this book is going to be about and what this journey, this narrative that you're going to look at and that we're going to explore is all centered around a person, the person of Jesus and this good news that he speaks of, this good news, this opportunity that exists And that's what Mark wants you to know. Here's the interesting thing about Mark. There's four gospel accounts that tell the story and the narrative of the life of Jesus and his life and in his ministry, his message and his his uh, death on the cross and his resurrection. We know the four gospels as Matthew, Mark, Luke and what? 
John, right? So we know the four Gospels. Mark is, most scholars believe, the, the earliest recorded Gospel account that's written down. Most scholars believe that this is uh, centered out of Peter's eyewitness account. And that Mark is kind of writing as Peter's kind of telling about this. And we trust that the Holy Spirit is guiding this whole process. And that that's why this book, the Bible, has stood the test of time and has gone against critics who have tried to oppose it. And the reality is that we have a substantial proof to the legitimacy of the gospel accounts and the narrative of Jesus and to his life and to his message. And all throughout history, the church speaks of this. Why did this movement not die out? Why is it still going? Well, maybe there's some power behind that that's more than just some made-up thing. Maybe there's something more to this. Mark reads like an action movie. How many of you like action movies? If you uh, Actually, let me start here. How many of you like The Notebook? You may not like Mark. Um, Mark does not write in a long, you know, fluid narrative style, like giving particulars of what flowers were in bloom and the backdrops of, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, it just was, you know, and there was olives there. You know, Mark's not going to say that, okay? Mark is like, how many of you read comic books uh, growing up? If you read some comic books, Mark's like that. Okay, it's like fast action. There's like hardly any transitions. Anyone ever gone from like second gear into like fifth gear in a sports car? Okay, that's Mark. All right. Anyone like the Born Identity movies? Okay, that's Mark. That's what you have to understand. The word immediately is his transition statement. So anytime you read the word immediately, you've switched gears. You're in a completely different scene. That's just the way Mark writes this. And because he's probably recording Peter, doesn't that sound like Peter? Doesn't it? I mean, if he's recording Peter's eyewitness account, can't you just tell Peter, like, oh, oh, you got to write this down. And then they're like, oh, oh, that made me think of this. And all this kind of stuff, it just sounds like Peter when you begin to read through this. Immediately is often there. Mark is wanting to capture your attention. And so right out of the gate, he says, hey, there's the announcement. This is about the good news of Jesus. How many of you get text messages on your phone? So you're familiar with announcements. Because every text message is an announcement, right? Every uh, email that you get, you get emails also? That's a what? An announcement of a message, right? We understand announcements. We live surrounded in a culture of announcements. We understand billboards. How many of you notice those? We have a few here in town. Uh, magazines, TV. How many of you have an app on your phone? That's an announcement. It's going to push different apps and say, hey, here's new things. Websites, maybe you've been to one. Announcements are in print material everywhere, and everywhere we go, we're surrounded by announcements. In fact, has anyone been to Freddy's here on the east side of town? Is it not? I mean, maybe it's just me, but it's weird to go to the bathroom, and the sink has a little TV above the sink now, and there's announcements scrolling on the little like iPad where I'm washing my hands. I just think that's weird. And uh, so we've taken advertising everywhere to make announcements. One of my favorite announcements I ever received is when I came home as a youth pastor in Colorado. We were kind of newly into our marriage, about maybe a couple years in. And I walked in, and there was a sign that said, Welcome home, Daddy. And I thought, my wife has never called me that. That's kind of weird. And then it finally hit me, because uh, guys, we're a little dense sometimes, and it finally, hey, wow, daddy, daddy means children. <gasps> we're having 
are we having a kid? Um, And like this whole journey of parenting set off as our firstborn was just a few months away. I received wedding announcements or the save the date. Anyone get those? Right. We are bombarded with announcements. Social media, if you're on social media, that's announcements. That's what it is. And Mark is saying, hey, there's this announcement I want you to get, and I don't even want to get into the narrative before you see what this is. This is about the good news of Jesus the Messiah. See, in, in Hebrew, it's Messiah. means anointed one. In Greek, it's Savior, which means anointed one. What he's trying to say real clearly is this is about a life um, in a name that is like no other. This isn't just a simple guy that had a cool story and he was a good moral dude that had you know some nice teachings and occasionally he did a couple little healing things. Mark is saying right out of the gate, you don't want to miss the significance of who this is. See, one of the most trusted announcements that we can get is a word-of-mouth testimony, right? Isn't that what you tell your friends when you go to a new restaurant? You tell them about the restaurant, or maybe you get a new gadget. Maybe you have a new experience, and you tell people about that, right? And you're wanting them to understand, because you were there. You were an eyewitness account. And Mark kind of goes into the story, and he says there's this predecessor that comes before Jesus, and he's pointing back to Jesus. We know him as John the Baptist, And so right out of the gate, he's telling the narrative of the story of John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist shows up in the scene, and he's calling people back to Yahweh, back to God. God, And he's saying, Israel, people of Israel, people of God, come back. Bring your loyalty back to Yahweh. Stop living this distracted and kind of disconnected life, a way where you're kind of following these laws and following things, but you're missing the relationship. Come back. And so John is kind of calling people back. And he says, this is about the good news. This is about the gospel, maybe your Bible reads. Gospel is an interesting word. And what I want to do is kind of walk you through some of the words that Mark uses in chapter 1, particularly about what Jesus said his mission and his message was. And make one simple, um, draw one simple application for us tonight. The word gospel is an interesting word. It was used in ancient times. In fact, when, uh, one example is when Greece invaded Persia and the Greeks won the great battles and they sent these heralds throughout. And herald in Greek literally means evangelist. Interesting. So they sent these heralds, these evangelists through the city and through the region who proclaimed the good news, the gospel. According to the Greeks, here's the gospel of what has happened. We have fought for you. We have won and you are no longer slaves. You are now free. See, here's what the gospel means. The gospel is an announcement of something that has happened in history, something that has been done for you and it changes your status forever. That's the gospel. It's something that happened in history. It's something that you can point back to. It's something that's been done for you, and it changes your status forever. That's the gospel. And right there, you have the difference between Christianity and almost every other religion on the face of this planet. Because every religion points to good advice. Here's some good advice. You want to know how to have a better life? Here's some good advice. And friends, what you have to know, whether you're a believer or a follower of Jesus or not, is that this Jesus movement is not good advice. This Jesus movement is good news. 
This is a gospel. This is something that happened in history that changed something for you and it changed your status potentially forever. It's not just simple advice like a counselor would give you and say, try these three different things. This isn't good moral behavior and say, hey, here's some new patterns to have. Now, is that present in the gospel? Yes. Is that present in the accounts and the narrative and the message of Jesus? Yes. But this is about what Mark said it is. This is about good news, not good advice. This is about a gospel, not just a message. Not just a few things of follow this. See, the consensus or the essence of other religions is advice. And Christianity is essentially good news. It's good news. This is what has been done for you in history. This is how Jesus lived and died and rose again and made a way for you to have life with God. Period. So Mark starts off with a bang. And he says, you've got to understand, you have to know this is radically different. This is not good advice. This is good news. And Christian people, we are freed by good news. We are not limited to good advice. We are freed by good news. And we are not limited by simply having good advice. And that we have to live by good advice. Or we have to pass on good advice. We are dispensers of good news. Because we are receivers of good news. That's the beauty of the gospel. So the story kind of starts off, and John the Baptist is in the picture, and he talks about that. And remember, John's calling, calling the people back, and they're coming and repenting, and they're kind of, kind of turning their hearts back toward God. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus is kind of there. He's baptized. You can read the story, and it goes on. And then Jesus is led out into dealing with temptation for 40 days, right? The enemy is tempting him, and it's a real deal. It's not just a figment imagination thing. It really happened. And here's what we begin to see as we come back into the the narrative that's going on, and John is suddenly put in prison, right? And here's what John keeps saying to people. This is verse 7. He says, look, and this was John's message. So just to be clear, Mark's saying, don't miss what what, uh, John was saying. Here's his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He must increase. I'm going to decrease. That's kind of what the other gospel writers begin to say about John. It's John saying, it's not about me. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. The guy that's coming after me, he's all that in a bag of chips. And you want to follow him. The story is really about him. I'm just setting up the story. John understood what it was about. And all of a sudden, John is kind of taken away in prison. This is what you read, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So John slides out of the picture, right? He's not killed yet. He's imprisoned. And all of a sudden, there's a void. And it's into that void that Jesus steps And into that void, Jesus begins to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And I want you to see uh, the very first words that we have recorded in the Gospel of Mark that explains Jesus' message and his mission. And friends, we would be amiss if we skip over this too quick. Because I believe that this is the heart of everything that's recorded in the, in the gospel accounts in the entire New Testament that points back to this Jesus and points back to why you should investigate him and why you should be curious about what he can mean to you in life. And here's what Jesus says. He, he went on proclaiming the good news all through the region of Galilee. And here's his words that he said. The time has come. 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, in English, that seems kind of straightforward. But can I unpack this just with a little bit of Greek? Uh, Because I think there's some powerful images here that uh, will grip maybe your heart and give you some significance and some understanding into who Jesus really is and what he really is saying. The time has come. Now, when we think of time, we typically think of uh, the question that we ask people when we don't know what time it is. We say, what time is it, right? Ask your neighbor what time it is. Go ahead. What time is it? It's the basketball game still going. Uh, we don't know the end yet, but we do know that the ladies beat the school from up north. So well done to our women's basketball team. So um, here's what we do know is that's not what Mark is saying. Okay, so what you just asked your neighbor, that's not what Mark is saying. Chronos, uh, we understand time. Okay, what time is it? We measure time by seconds, by minutes, by hours. In fact, we always say there's not enough time in the day, right? We kind of look for gadgets that save us time, right? We look for that because that's what we understand, chronos. But kairos is the word in Greek that, uh, that Mark is using here. This idea that this is a time, this is an era, this is a season, this is a period that's undefined of time. It doesn't necessarily have an end point in it, but this is a season that is dawned on humanity. That is what Mark is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, the time, the era, the period of time, the season, the opportunity, the occasion has arrived. And he's pointing to himself. This good news, which isn't just good advice, this good news, this time has arrived. And it's not measured by seconds and minutes. This era, this period of time, this season is here. And it's at hand. This season is at hand, he says. He goes on, uh, the kingdom of God is near at his hand. In Gizo, say that with me, in Gizo. That's just a fun Greek word to say. Um, In Gizo simply means that this opportunity is right here. It's at hand. It's like this Twix bar. I like Twix. It's one of my favorites. Now, this Twix bar is at hand. It's here. It's available to anyone in this auditorium. It is at hand, but it is an opportunity. This Twix bar is at hand, and it is available to anyone in this auditorium. But it's at hand. This Twix bar is at hand. It's available to... See... That's what Jesus is saying. He likes Twix. No. Um, He's saying this, the kingdom of God is near. And it's not just near, like nearby. It's this opportunity. It's this season that's at hand. And it's available to anyone that will initiate and take it. That's what he's saying. That the kingdom of God, life with God. When When you read the words kingdom of God. Think about the reign and just life with God. That's what Jesus is talking about. Life with God is at hand. It's here. The the time has come. The season, the opportunity, it's available now. That's why this is good news. This isn't good advice. 
This isn't, hey, here's the three steps you need to do, and when you finish that, do these uh, eight things, and then you're going to be golden. That's religion. And Jesus shows up and says, this is about a relationship with God and with you. And life with God is available. The season is at hand to anyone who will just take me up on the opportunity. It's right here. It's in front of you. And here's what you need to do. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Now, often, uh, maybe you heard the word repent in a way that meant, um, maybe often we think of repenting as, okay, I, I'm going this way and I'm going to repent from my sin. My sin's kind of over here. I'm going to repent. So I'm going to turn away from and I'm going to go in a completely different direction, right? Anyone ever hear that illustration or so or that, that imagery, so to speak, with word repent? And that is certainly present in this word. But metanous is the Greek word that's literally that's here. And metanous is this idea of, okay, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away from, but I'm actually going to be changed by the way of my mind. Meaning my paradigm of what I've, what I've based my entire life and my existence on, I'm going to give that up and take on something new. That's what Mark is saying, and that's what Jesus is expressing in this very first moment when he's saying, you want to know what my message and my mission is about? It's about saying that life with God, it's at hand. It's right here. It's a season. Take advantage of it. And what you have to do is repent and believe. Repent, metanous. It's this idea of, okay, it is turn away, and Jesus does want us to turn away from our sin, but it's not just that. And if you limit the word repent to just that, you are missing out on the significance of what the gospel is, and pretty soon it will turn into good advice instead of good news. And you know what good advice usually gets you? Tired. Anyone with me? Good advice usually just gets you tired. Because you try it for a long time, and then it, you, you realize that you're broken and you mess up and you fail, and you get tired of failing, and sometimes you even give up. But good news? Good news is something that was done in history that changes your status forever, and it isn't about you. It's not good advice for you to follow. It's good news for you to seize to take advantage of. And so metanous is this idea of I'm going to change by the way of my thinking. Everything I've based my life on, I want to change and try something new and believe, Jesus says. I want you to repent and believe. Believe is this notion in Greek that says, I'm going to put an all-in kind of belief, an all-in kind of trust. Every single one of you have a belief in the chair you're sitting in. No one sat down and said, oh man, I kind of hope this holds me up. You just sat down, right? You had a belief that that chair was going to hold you up, and so far it has. So you had a belief, you exercised belief in it. You believed to the extent of complete trust. You became a believer, you entrusted. You put something into the care of another, meaning you put yourself into the care of another. You didn't put yourself into the care of yourself. You put all of yourself into the care of someone else. And Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God, life with God, it's near. It's at hand. Repent. Change by the way of your thinking. Choose something different and believe. 
exercise complete trust in something else other than yourself. See, Jesus showed up in the first century to a group of people who were very religious. To a group of people that understood what it meant to pursue God. Jesus was surrounded by people who trusted all sorts of things for their identity, for their security. They trusted in their heritage, in their land, in their temple, in the laws that were given. They trusted in their wealth, in their position, in their good works. And it's into that scene that Jesus shows up and says, Repent and believe. Turn away from that. Let go. Abandon that. Because all that will get you is sideways, tired, and separated from God. You repent and believe. Believe in me. Jesus was now calling them to trust the good news that God was doing something new. And to get at that, you had to let go of everything else. You had to cut loose their confidence in those other things and fully put their trust in him and his message of hope. That there is a way to have life with God and it's not based on you. This is based on, what, good news, not good advice. And so Jesus has this incredible moment all throughout here. And uh, it's interesting because we said earlier announcements come all the time. But maybe the most trusted announcement is an eyewitness announcement, right? It's someone that has been there, someone that you know, someone that is now telling you what has happened, who becomes a herald, so to speak, an evangelist. I'm an evangelist of Chipotle. Anyone with me? I love that place way too much. I don't work for them. I eat their food a lot. I don't get any kickback from them, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know of another restaurant that's better. I even watched a documentary on Chipotle, like willingly. On Netflix, I was like, wow, inside Chipotle, okay. And I sat there for 25 minutes, and I could tell you facts now. Cause, but I'm an evangelist of the iPhone, okay? I love my iPhone. Some of you have Androids. Yuck, okay? Just maybe we're different that way, and and Jesus still loves you. But I'm telling you, the iPhone, I think, is the greatest invention ever made. And I can tell you about it. Why? Because we want to herald things that we believe in, right? Let me simply ask you this question. As the church, as your life, if you're a receiver of God's good news, then, friend, you better be a giver of God's good news. If you're a receiver of God's good news, not good advice, good news, that was something that happened in history that changed everything and it changed your status forever. And if you're a receiver of God's good news, then be a giver of God's good news. Don't give people good advice about religion and about Jesus Tell them the good news about Jesus, that life with God is at hand. It's available to any and to all who would just take him up on the opportunity. It's a season available for them to seize. And friends, that's our job as the church. That's your job as a follower of Jesus, is for us to live with this passion that says, God chooses to spread the good news of his grace through his people who are impacted by the good news of his grace. He doesn't choose any other announcement method. 
Do you hear me? Jesus doesn't seem to choose any other announcement method to be the predominant one. His method, his biggest announcement method is you. It's me. It's us. It's the church, being the church in our community, right? Not just pretending to be church, not just gathering as a church. It's being the church 24-7 on our Mondays and our Tuesdays. And it's living in such a way that people take notice in the way that we act, the way we react, the way we think, the way we respond in situations. Your life is to be a walking billboard for Jesus. Did you ever think about that? That's how Jesus makes his announcements. He's established the church, individually gifted us. If you're a receiver of God's good news, remember, he didn't give you just good advice and say, go, you know, take a stab at it. He gave you good news that changed everything. It was something that happened in history, and it changed your status forever. God chooses to speak through you. Let your life speak, your words speak, your actions speak, your reactions speak, your choices speak. Let it flow from this inner joy and hope that spills over from within you. Some of you are saved by amazing grace, and you are equipped in amazing ways, and you never have to journey life alone. God is constantly with you. He is in your corner. He has given you hope and joy. Tell your face. Seriously, I know some Christians who are followers of Jesus who are some of the most cranky, irritated, upset, stick-in-the-muds that I've ever seen in my entire life. If you are filled with joy and you are the receiver of God's good news, tell your face. Let your face shine in a way. Can it really be as simple as a smile? Maybe. What's the rap that Christians have? We're always angry. We're always yelling at people for things we're against. How about we just start telling people what we're for? How about we just start saying, hey, we got some good news. It's pretty sweet. In fact, I'm a receiver of this good news, and so I'm just going to pass it on because it came free to me. And I'm just going to, like, extend it on. Do you think the world might take notice of people who live like that? I think so. That doesn't mean you don't have down days. It just means you're never alone. You're never out. You're never abandoned. And if you struggle on a bad day, you're never isolated. Because the giver of good news says, I got you. I won't leave you. I won't abandon you. I'll never walk away from you. That's the good news of the gospel. It's not just good advice that you have to take up. It's good news. I don't know if you remember um, the old school Wendy's commercial with the little old lady who would come up and she'd ask a very simple question and she'd open the hamburger and it was a giant bun with a little tiny patty of meat and she'd say, where's the beef, right? I think sometimes as Christians we need to say, Where's our joy? Where's our joy? We're, we're receivers of good news, not good advice. Good news that changed everything. Let your life live with this joy that's contagious. Does that mean you have to be an extrovert? No. It just means you have to let joy shine a little bit in your life. And if you're cranky, take a nap. 
then go out and live among other people, right? Just let the joy and hope of God begin to shine through more and more. Friend, you are loved, you are accepted, you are treasured, you are secure, you are adopted, you are forgiven, you are filled with purpose, you are embraced by hope, and you are loved with this amazing grace. Let that feed you every day. Let that stir your heart every day. That's good news. That's not just good advice. That's great news. That I don't find, I don't, you know, face any stress on my own. I often feel like I do. You ever been there? But I don't. That's not my reality anymore. My reality, thanks to the good news of Jesus, is I'm never facing anything alone. That's good news. That changes things. It reminds me of what Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says these words, And all of this is a gift from God. So we have this good news. That's a gift that he says that over and over all throughout scriptures. Who who brought you back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. Here's the phrase I want you to circle in your Bible if you have it. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. We are a good news people, friends. The church is a dispenser of good news. And it should be the most prominent message of the church. And it will be the most prominent message of this church. We are dispensers of good news because we are receivers of good news. Not just good advice, but good news that changed everything. Your life is a walking billboard of God's good news. The Gospel of Mark heralds loud and proud that there is no other name that is a dispenser and a giver of good news other than the name of Jesus. It's him and him alone. Here's the question I want you to ruminate with all week, the point, the application of this whole entire thing. How is your life heralding the good news of Jesus? How is your life heralding the good news of of Jesus. How are you an evangelist? Every single one of us is. We're a herald. We're, as a receiver of God's good news, we are to be givers of God's good news. How is that happening in your life? A few months ago, we talked about the simple phrase. We called it one life. I remember I handed out a card and I invited you into this journey to say, who's your one life? Who's the one life that God has kind of steered across your path that maybe doesn't understand Christianity, doesn't understand life with God, doesn't really understand or see Jesus for who he is? Who's your one life that maybe God is kind of putting across your path that you're going to start praying for? That God would use your life as a billboard, so to speak, to say, I want to be someone who advertises, who announces this good news of Jesus that I've found. So I guess I want to remind you tonight, how is your life heralding the good news of Jesus for your one life, for the person that God has brought across your path? Because Jesus showed up in the beginning of his whole ministry and his whole message, and we're going to walk through this whole gospel, and it's going to be amazing. I hope you see Jesus for more of his brilliance and beauty, and I hope you're just awestruck by who he is. And this is fresh and new. Because Jesus literally showed up one day. And he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. The opportunity is right here. The season is open. Repent and believe. 
change by the way of your thinking. Everything you're basing your life on, your efforts, your energy, just give up on that. Let it go. That's just good advice. And it'll get you nowhere except tired. I've got good news. That life with God is available. Period. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite our band to come back up. We're going to worship for a little bit. We're going to take communion. Here's, here's what we know. The best kind of announcements are those given in person. Those eyewitness accounts. And so we remember in communion, Jesus as that eyewitness. Saying, okay, you want to know what God's like? Here he is. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. And you'll get to know. Because he is God. And he put on a body. And he came down and he gave his life. And he suffered and died a horrible death. But then that wasn't the end of the story. For everybody else it was. But for him, nope, that was just a new beginning. Because he came back to life three days later. And that's what we remember. Is the giving of his life and his blood for you. Because the kingdom of God, life with God is at hand. And here's what I want to invite you. Real simply, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. But if you're here tonight, and you've never taken that first step, here's what we're about as a church. I'm going to tell you right now. Our mission is about inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what we're about. Everything we do is about helping people take a first step in a relationship with Jesus and their next step with him. And if you've never taken that first step to say, you know what? I want to give up on this whole idea of wealth and this whole idea of pursuit of everything, trying to work out my own way, and I, I just maybe want to trust someone else versus just trusting myself, then tonight's your night. And real simply, what Jesus said, I'm going to say to you, the time has come. It's tonight. The time has come. The season, the era is open. The opportunity to have life with God is at hand, and it's available to you if you will take him up on it. But you have to take him up on it. Repent and believe. Turn away from where, what you're trusting in and trust in Jesus. And if you want to do that tonight, I'm going to invite you as we kind of, kind of take communion, as we worship a little bit, I'm going to be right back there by that exit sign in the dark. No one's going to see us. And if that's you, I would love to personally pray with you tonight. And so I'm going to be back there. And if you want to come back and talk, uh, I'm, I'm a nice guy. Come see me. And um, I'm going to give us space and time to take communion and to worship. And uh, I just want to invite you to maybe lean in. And maybe this prayer, God, how am I heralding the message of the good news of Jesus? Maybe that's a prayer for you tonight and for this week as you take it with you. And ask him how you can put more expression to that in the realm and the influence that he's put you in and enabled you to be with. And so, Father, that's what I pray for tonight, that we would be a people that respond, that we would be a people that look to you. That, Father, we would, we would take you up on your offer, not just for a first step in a relationship with you, and maybe there's someone here tonight that needs to do that. But Father, every single one of us who are followers of you, Jesus, that we would take you up on our next step with you. That you would show us this week how to be a better herald, an evangelist of the good news, not just good advice, but of good news that you gave us in your son Jesus. And as we take communion, as we worship here in a moment, may we remember, Father, may it stir our heart in a fresh and new way. And may our songs be about your son. May our words stir our hearts 
to live this week to be a herald of the good news of Jesus because it's great news available to us. God, we are the method. Your church is the method of making that announcement in our generation. Would you help us to be good news kind of people? We pray that in your son's name.